I can talk loud enough. I pushed the button. He said I was okay. So it's on him, not me. <laughs> A little bit late. Uh, let's start with prayer. Lord God, we, we lift uh, these needs of, of Ernie before you and pray for him to just come to a spot where he can just wait on you and find your peace. Uh, and that during these conferences and stuff that he's going to go to, that you will, will guide him in the direction that, that you want him to go, that you want us all to go to where we come, become just your people. Uh, and for today, uh, you ask a worm to come talk to your people and I pray that you will just speak through him. Uh, you know, I'm, I have no idea how this is going to go. Well, okay, so you be glorified in what we do today. Thank you. Uh, what he was saying about calling to ministry isn't part of my plan, but I was thinking about that because we're all called to ministry. Every one of us. Now, some are called to be apostles, some are called to be prophets, some are called to be pastors and teachers, but some of us are called to be givers, uh, charity. Uh, some of us just give in an encouraging word. Uh, and this all kind of fits into what I'm going to do, what I think I'm going to do. Um, God is. Now, James said that few weeks ago you know he was kind of big I forget what the rest of his thing was he's into uh, don't worry about who's going to be in government because God is he's in charge Lucas got onto a thing about God's glory and I, I like that a bunch and I kind of wanted to continue that but uh, the last time I was here uh, it sounds loud to me can't turn it down can I I'll have to talk soft then uh, just talking about God. Totally different type of being. Our trying to imagine him is like an amoeba trying to imagine one of us. You know, he is so different that Lucas's song today, really indescribable, unimaginable, untamable, unjust fathomable. Ephesians, someplace it talks about the unfathomable riches of Christ. What does that mean? It means we can't get our minds around it and stuff. So it's just, uh, uh, and this whole thing about ministry and stuff is, oh yeah, glasses. I do have notes which require glasses. Um, and there's a, a verse in Romans 14, uh, 4 through 10, following and stuff like that, because I hear all the time people, you know, talking in church about, you know, you know open your mouth and pray and, you know, sing and, and worship and raise your hands. They're talking about raising your hands or doing all these type of things. Romans says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? How does it go? To their own master, servants stand or fall. So you walk with God. You walk with God. We all walk with God, and we come together, and we're here to encourage and uplift and move each other along. But sometimes, 
sometimes we kick someone in the teeth because we tell them they're not doing it the right way. Uh, and what does God want from us? Uh, I think it's later in my, my passages and stuff that I have uh, about all of this. Um, oh, well, yeah, God wants a humble heart. He wants a humble, contrite heart, one that will listen to him. Uh, whatever the situation's in, not bragging, it took me 20 years to get my bachelor's degree, <laughs> uh, but I got it, and then I finally got my master's degree in biblical studies, and uh, I'm driving this, I was, I'm not now, I was driving a school bus, and I said, Lord, what am I doing here? You know, I, I got a bachelor's and a master's in biblical studies, what am I doing here? Why should I be doing this? Two minutes later, someone walks up to me and they say, I know you're a Christian. I said, I have this problem. What can you just pause? And the Lord just, there he is. I'm ministering. So we don't all minister in the same way, the same time. You don't have to have a church. You are the church. Uh, and we'll get to all this stuff later because it is my message today. I didn't know the message I've, I've had since the last time I was being here. And I thought I had a message, and I got so over-prepped for it that I just have five messages. That's why we're going till 2 o'clock. Uh, so, no, not really. I only have a couple of them. Um, talked about God being the holy other. All right. Uh, we talked about God being the holy other, and that we're going to see Jesus face to face and we're going to become like him. And I'm thinking, okay, who was he? What was he? How can I? I want to be like him right now. Uh, so I look at John 17.1 uh, and I see he talks about is the high priestly prayer that they say at the end of the Lord's Supper. And he's praying, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't want to... i got 20 of these things. We could go forever if I read them all. Basically, he says, Father, glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. So Jesus was Father-focused. He wanted to glorify the Father. Verse 4 of that same chapter, he says, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given to me. Well means he is obedient, doesn't it? And still father-focused. 5.9 of John says, A son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. Well, here he is, he who existed in the form of God and thought it not something to be grasped, who says, I can do nothing. Humble. Jesus is humble. Uh, Jesus was humbled. Uh, in Hebrews 10.9, he says, Behold, I come to do your will. Okay, obedience again. Uh, John 4.34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. So we're seeking, we need to, we need to seek the Lord's will, 
We need to glorify him. We need to be obedient. 1 John 5, 14 through 15, he says, if we ask anything according to his will, paraphrasing again, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked from him. But again, we have to know what his will is in a situation. I, we prayed, you know, Rick prayed for about cancer and stuff, and we pray for healing, and we pray for the people in the fires and stuff like that. And I, I know cancer's, cancer's one scary bugger, isn't it? I want to pray, when I pray about it, I want to pray that we overcome fear, the fear of cancer. Cancer's not to be feared. God is. God's in charge of our lives every single step of the way, even when we're going off to do what we want to do and not doing what he wants us to do. He's still there. And he's still there enough that he's going to drag us back or lead us back uh, or with his rod and his staff beat us back, uh, whatever it takes uh, to get us there. So I just lost my train of thought. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't take much. That's why you have cards here. Uh, we need to seek his will. How do we know his will? We'll get to that. Um, second Peter, the Lord is not slow about his promise, but he is patient, wanting you, uh, patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but all should come to repentance. Um, knowing the will of God, being patient, knowing God is patient, because sometimes we pray and it, it doesn't happen. You know, uh, it's just somewhere else it says, if you pray believing, you have what you ask for. Well, you can pray believing. I know God can, Mary's not here today, but you know what? I could, we could pray. We could all get together and pray. God could heal her like that. She could wake up in the morning with clear skin and her hair all back. And instantly, without going through all of this. So the fact that Mary's still struggling through it is one God thinks she's really strong and can deal with it because it says he won't give you more than you can endure. Uh, two, he's got something else he's doing and we don't always get to see it. Okay, so I says to myself, self, let's not wait until we get to heaven to be like God. Let's get started. So I puts a little sticker on, on the fridge uh, to remind myself when I get up in the morning, it says, who's on your throne this, this morning? That's just to remind me to get God back up there uh, because my dreams go wherever they want to and they're not always godly. Uh, and so I want to get up in the morning and look at that and go, yep, got to get God back on the throne. Got to be asking him, Lord, come up to the top. Uh, I want to go... I just... Uh, so I pray with a psalmist, uh, Psalm 72, 18 and 19. Let the whole earth be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now, Lucas influenced me on that a little bit. I was thinking about that. You know, and I can see where, where Isaiah says, is he's, 
he's in chapter 6, God's pulled him up in a vision or uh, in his presence and into the throne room of God. And the seraphim are sitting there and they say, the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. They're in eternity. They're stepped off the timeline. So maybe they're seeing a different time. Or maybe, maybe right now, the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. Uh, and we don't always see it. I don't see it. When I'm driving down the freeway, I don't see the glory of the Lord in, in traffic. Uh, side note, I went to the beach on Wednesday, an hour drive. I left 6.30. I got there at 10 o'clock. That's, blessed be the freeways. Uh, but it gave me a chance to, uh, okay, so Isaiah says that. There's been a war going on. We are at war. Started before the Garden of Eden uh, because that snake was already at war with God. He came to destroy whatever God was setting up. Uh, Adam and Eve fell. That was not good for us. Cain killed his brother. Uh, the sons of God looked on the daughters of men, and I seriously believe that those sons of God were angels that gave up their spot in heaven to come down and, and cohabit with women and stuff because it talks about how mighty men and all kinds of things went array, and earth just got polluted to the max, and God had to flood it out. And, saved one man, and we go on. As soon as they get going again, they start to build a tower because they want to go up to heaven. They want to, be, they want to be like God, so he has to confuse their language. The war has been going on. The war was won on Calvary. John, I think it's 19. Uh, in the Greek, see, I get to do it sometimes. It says tetelestai. It's a perfect participle. Jesus says, it is finished. The war is won. But you know, General Mathis of the United States Marine Corps is talking to his troops, and he says, you know, we might say the war is over, but the war is not over until the enemy says it's over. It's paraphrasing again, he says, they do get a vote uh, because... The war was over with Japan long before we dropped the bombs. But the bombs were the final thing to convince them so that they would say, yeah, the war's over. When, when we'd landed in Normandy and we had all our supplies coming ashore and we were just flowing, it was done. But the enemy hadn't said so yet. We had to fight it out. The war goes on. Uh, and we see around us, let me see if I'm not drawing up. Oh, I was talking about that, and I'm ahead of myself. I was going to talk about, you know, I said, I want to be like Christ. Um, and I'm trying to do everything I can do. And then what happens? One morning I steps in it. You know what I'm talking about, steps in it. doesn't smell very good. You've got to wash off your shoes and stuff. And, and I'm dirty again. What do you do about it? You flee back to God 
that's the secret. I'm getting ahead of me again, but that's the, the whole secret is you've got to know the scriptures that lead us to the point where even after we've stepped in it, we know I can run to the throne of grace. I can get forgiveness. God's already forgiven me. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. But I know. Um, because I've paid attention to that. Uh, I'm with Paul in Romans 7, 14. He says, I am flesh, sold into the, to the bondage of sin. I am not practicing the things that I want to do. I'm practicing the very thing I don't want to do, uh, which got confusing the first few times I read it. Therefore, it's, He says, therefore, it's not I that's doing it, but sin that dwells in me. Uh, we've got this battle. This is one of our, we'll get to in a minute, one of the fortresses, the strongholds that we want to tear down is Satan's control over us. Um, Nothing good dwells in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing is not. Wretched man that I am. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the war has been won, but the fighting goes on. We find ourselves in spiritual warfare, which we don't know how to fight. Uh, I was a corpsman, United States Marine Corps, Navy corpsman, and you, they train you how to fight. They train you how to do your, your job, whatever it is. We are fighting an enemy that we can't see, uh, that has powers that, that we don't know how to deal with. We have to figure out how to fight that enemy. Uh, and Paul says in, in Ephesians chapter 6, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against, against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And we'll come back to this in a minute. We're not just fighting some, uh, what was his name, Wormwood in screw tape letters some little offshoot demon down the bottom of the line, we're fighting against the rulers, against the powers of darkness. Satan was, according to some references, God's wonderful creation. A, greater than Michael and Gabriel and everything, he was the most beautiful, the most powerful of God's angels. And he looked, and he was so powerful, he thought, well, I'm, I'm it. I'm going to set myself, my throne above God's. That's scripture. I don't have it written down today to where it is. And he had pride in his heart and sin, and he set himself against God. That's how come he just, he's set himself against God ever since. This whole job is to tear us down, every one of us. Uh, in 2 Corinthians um, 10, 3, and 4, it says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. So I have a question here, first of all. What are these uh, 
divinely powerful weapons, yes, but fortresses too. What are the fortresses we're, we're, we're fighting against? One, first fortress for me, is Satan's control over me, which I freely give him. I'm sold into sin. That part of me, you know, uh, when we're when we're born in Christ, we become a new creature. But Paul says, "O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death?" Because the old man's still with us, and that's our flesh, and we're stuck with it until. Uh, until we reach that point that we're all afraid of, and that's death of the body, which is really our, the point when we enter into resurrection, our real resurrection, and we see him face to face and become like him. Then we're, it's all better, but right now we've got to hang on to this. So that's number one, number one fortress for me. But uh, what is this? Oh, sin dwells not just in me. Uh, that's 4 through 24. But all men. They've established a culture that God's only comes forth in their mind when um, the enemy flies its airplanes into the towers. And then they want to pray and say, God bless America. Uh, when they start shooting from a tower and kill a bunch of people in Las Vegas when the fires break out. Um, I, I, you, I'm not including you guys in this necessarily, necessarily. Uh, <laughs> but they don't really get down on their knees and pray uh, and, and acknowledge him until everything's so bad. They're like the Jews who ran off and worshipped their idols and everything until they were overrun by their enemy, and then they would call out in the name of the Lord and say, God bless me. Uh, but they don't even know what they're saying. They don't even know who God is or what they mean by blessing. They're, they won't honor him as soon as he does. They're going to go back to their, their pagan ways. Their, what, what's sin, they try to cover over and say, this isn't sin. This is just a change in cultural attitudes now. Um, Abortion's okay because we really don't want to bring these kids in that no one wants in, so we just kill them off and stuff like that. Uh, Same-sex marriage is just, they're just trying to push an agenda that, that says, oh, it's all right. I don't hate homosexuals. I hate homosexuality. I mean, I hate the, the performance of God loves them. We should love them too. It's hard. The guys that flew into the Twin Towers, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. We, I, we should love those guys. They didn't fly in the Twin Towers because they thought it was an evil thing to do. They thought they were doing something good. To love them, we need to pray. God's, God's mercy, uh, you know, we don't like it in the flesh, but it's... And I'm, that wasn't part of the message. I'm get back onto on track. Uh, I'm getting off into tangents, um, but you got what I'm saying. Um, yes, the devil would steal our children. Any of you have kids that aren't aren't walking with the Lord? Uh, you know, my son says he doesn't need the Lord right now. He's been brought up in the way. It just breaks my heart. His wife is 
But Jewel, I wish I could be as good as she is. But of course, I don't see all of her. I don't know the bad parts or anything like that. But she's totally content. She was brought up in a, in a, basically a Buddhist society. She doesn't. She's not a Buddhist Buddhist, but she's, that's her, her mindset. Um, another son that you know, first son, the wife took him away, and he knows. But they're not doing anything about it. That God, they, you know, don't bring up God around you. You know, it just disturbs everybody. Uh, so he's trying to steal our children. How many of you know Rochelle and what a jewel she is? How many of you know that Satan would just like to come in and do something rotten and, and snatch her off? There's a fortress that we want to fight. Our state is is in a lot of ways a fortress of the enemy. Uh, our country and our government, the way they, they perform things, God isn't their first focus. Their first focus is getting reelected. Uh, and they'll, they'll accept any abhorrent ideologies of the day to get reelected. That's their goal. Those are things that we need to pray about. Uh, Israel. Israel is a... Israel is. And there are billions of people that would like to wipe it off the face of the earth. The Muslims have been trying to eradicate any memory of, of the Jews in this little portion of the world, Palestine, uh, Judea, Israel, however you want to call it, uh, since the Crusades. Uh, and they're trying to cover up archaeological evidence to, to show that they were never really there before. They want to deny. But the fact that Israel is back in Israel after 2,000 years is, hey, it's got to be getting close to the end. And that's exciting. Uh, and it's terrifying because the end isn't going to be happy days. It's not going to be some happy program where just everything, okay, they, they're going to have a peace talk and they're all going to settle down and go, oh yeah, scripture says, okay, we'll give you all this land and everything will be hunky-dory. It's not going to be hunky-dory. Scripture says there's going to come in with armies of hundreds of millions to destroy Israel. I think that's not until after the Antichrist has managed to somehow set himself up there and then he's got to turn his attention to this mighty army. And if, think of blood flowing to the horse's bridle for 200 miles and so, I mean, it's going to be a vicious battle. And Israel, Jerusalem's half taken before and terrible things are happening there before Messiah comes. But that's when he comes and begins. And I don't think it's instantaneous because something about an earthquake and a valley being and they'll flee to this place to, to get away. And then it's all, gonna, it's all a mystery. We don't really know exactly how it's all going to pan out. But it's clearly not going to pan out in a, a real groovy kind of way. Two witnesses prophesied for two years and then they drop dead and 
they kill him and they rise up and go away. This is all not part of what I'm supposed to be talking about. Um, so let's prepare for battle. That's kind of what I'm here for today, is recruiting. I would like to be a corpsman on one of God's SEAL teams uh, in this in this battle against the enemy. Jesus is king. We don't understand kingship. We we're democratic. We vote in our leader and vote him out when we want to, and we talk crap about him because he doesn't like the way we do it and stuff like that. But when you have a king, an almighty king, and he walks in the room, you bow down. And I said, I want to serve you, Lord. I'll do anything you ask me to. I'd like to be on one of your, one of your hit squads. Uh, and I'm a corpsman. It makes me a healer. But corpsmen in the Marine Corps were also riflemen. <laughs> you had to be. When you were out in a recon platoon and there was only six of you, you didn't have the, the option to, no, no, I'm, I'm peaceful. That meant you were a target. They're the first ones you wanted to take out and the radio operator uh, to get us help. Uh, so we go back to Ephesians 6, 11 through 17, and Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God. How many of you know about this passage? Okay, So put on the full armor of God. And what do we put on? We put on the vest jacket, breast, breastplate, the leggings. We also have battles. Uh, the boots. Oh, he says shod your feet in the gospel of truth. But we have boots that are jungle boots with Kevlar lining in the bottom of them and stuff like that. That's what I think of. The shield. Uh, the helmet protect our head, and the sword. All of these are defensive weapons, except the very last one. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And here's the message today. You need to know the Word of God. You need to know it good. And there's a little phrase in... in uh, Computer ease, it's garbage in, garbage out. Well, good in, good out. Uh, you need to know the Word of God because there are a lot of great passages in there to help you fight the battle. You can come boldly before the throne of grace. That's, I'm just pulling them out of a hat right now because even though they're on the prayer list or on my scripture list, they're not there. There's only one way to get to really know the scripture. Anyone know how to do that? Anyone want to venture a guess? Read it. What part should you read? All of it. Now, confess. All of it's not that interesting. Those first 16 chapters of Chronicles and stuff that I've read once. <laughs> I don't need to read those again. <laughs> those, I don't need to know that this guy begat that guy that begat that guy that begat that guy that begat that guy for 16 chapters. It's just way over my pay grade. For the Jews, it's important. 
because it lines up their, their families and their, where they belong in the land and things like that. So for them, it's important. Um, you know, we, we read, we read, what did we do with Genesis for a year and a half? <laughs> we, we dissected it. There's some really great stuff in there. There are 66 books in the Bible. There's, you know, how many pages? 1,200 pages? 1,400 pages? Depends on how big your print is, huh? Um, my, what? 4,378. <laughs> yeah, I got a big print, you know. Uh, if you haven't read all of the scriptures, where do you start? How do you start? What's that? At the beginning? Maybe. Uh, if, if nothing else, read the New Testament. That's a much smaller part. Where do you read in that? You've got the Gospels. All of you are pretty familiar with the Gospels. Uh, my favorite is John. Matthew, Mark, Luke really talk a lot about the ministry the miracles, uh, the crucifixion, stuff. John was the one that was leaning against Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. He was the beloved disciple. I think a lot went on between, I mean, just quiet walks and stuff together or something. He was, I think Jesus took him under his wing and a lot of stuff went on. But John focuses on who Jesus is. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am, did I say bread of life already? Okay, I'm, I am, I am. He's talking about this. He's showing that Jesus is, I am. That great transcendent being that, hey, great thought at Christmas time isn't just this little baby. It's the almighty God humbled himself and became a baby that needed to be cared for by his mom, needed his diapers changed, needed to be fed, uh, needed to be protected by this young girl and her husband, of course. And the world was already out to get him from the almost... From the get-go, you know, Herod was trying to kill all the babies. Satan wanted to get rid of them from the beginning. Satan tried and tried and tried. Couldn't do it because he had to go to the grave. And that's when Satan knew it was over. But Satan hasn't quit fighting yet. Um, men get in the way. I mean, the over and over. Uh, we put our thoughts into, uh, so read the New Testament first. I'm saying John is a good gospel to read. And I didn't write this down, so don't look for it, my brother. Um, Romans chapter one, uh, Paul's telling writing to the Romans, and he's telling them, you know, I'm under obligation to the Greeks and the Jews. For my part, I am eager, this is verse 15, to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For the righteousness of God, okay, starting at 17, no, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Verse 18 of chapter 1, Paul starts out, the wrath of God is revealed. And you want to know what the gospel is? Because a lot of times I've read and they talk about, okay, they're preaching the gospel. I said, what, what did he preach? Romans. He starts out in verse 18 and he writes down or has his amnuensis, his secretary, write down the gospel uh, that carries on through chapter 8 where we get uh, there is therefore no condemnation uh, of those that belong to Christ Jesus. And who will bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. What will separate us from the love of God? Will I, That's later. I'm not supposed to do that yet. That's one of my verses that he'll get. He's getting confused now, I can tell, uh, because I'm not following the, the point. So the point is, you need the word of God in you. Romans, good. Uh, Peter, good. Uh, First John, of course, I'm back to John. I love John. He's, he's my buddy. Uh, uh, but the epistles of Paul. Uh, and you know what? If you've got a Bible, I know some people are, are get tied up about this, but the word of God is the word of God. It's the spoken word out there. These books that we have are, aren't sacred of themselves. They contain the word of God. They contain the words that were spoken that are the word of God. And I'm saying don't be afraid to underline it. Don't be afraid to do highlights. When the spirit of God gives you a scripture or something that, that's just powerful in your life don't just read on and because you can't underline it or highlight it or something and then forget where it is you know if you put down highlights and stuff in your bible your brain processes those highlights in in the image they are on those two pages and it will help you go back and find them or write them down if you've got a verse that's just, that's not a good one. Uh, how about Philippians 1.6? For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Well, if that just really sparks your heart, put it down on a 3 by 5 card and start yourself a little collection of those gems of God's word that are going to help you, that are going to sharpen your sword, okay, some of those are going to help you sharpen your sword for your personal battle against Satan as you kneel down behind your shield and cry out for help. Others are going to help you when uh, someone walks up to you uh, and they're all torn up or um, it's this way. And... Second Corinthians. This isn't in your in the scriptures, so don't. It's Second Corinthians chapter one. 
doxology, verses 3 and following. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. So you're going to find scriptures in here to comfort you. Load up your guns because someone's going to come along that needs that encouragement that you got from the word of God that hasn't taken the time to read it. Now, you remember, I told you at the beginning, I don't want to put a thing on you and say that you're not loved by God or you're not doing the right thing if, if you say, yeah, that's nice, I don't have the time, uh, and you don't want to go do it because uh, you answer to God yourself. I taught... Bible classes in middle school and high school. And I always got that same answer. I don't have the time. I don't have the time. Believe me, there's a time every day for most of you where you sit down for five minutes and you just sit there. Maybe you read a magazine or something else. You sit there for five minutes. In five minutes, you could read a chapter. And if you do it in an organized way, before long, you read all of scripture. The kids always ask me the same question. When? This embarrassing part. Set a Bible next to your toilet. You sit there every, every day. Okay? Why waste the time? You know? Make good of it. Uh, and of course, you know what middle schoolers do with that? <laughs> they go crazy, just like, like, yeah, like middle schoolers do. Like Eddie is doing, and he's just thinking, I'm so funny, he's so crazy right now. Okay, I'm going to pick on Eddie. Uh, read a little bit. No going to kill you. Just the opposite. You're going to start sharpening your sword. I want to be that guy. When I wake up in the morning, my feet hit the floor. The devil says, paraphrase, don't say it the way the Marines do. Oh, shoot, he's awake. Uh, we, need to, we need to be, and where are we? Uh, what? Is it really that late? Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to just jump way ahead just for today. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Uh, number one weapon of our warfare is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Putting it in you so you can bring it out of you. Uh, okay, praise is important. We'll get to that some other day. Uh, Paul says, prayer and petition, uh, praise, the sacrifice of praise, the praise of sacrifice, uh, the counting it all joy when you're in various situations, when the devil thinks he's got you by the throat and in a corner, and you go, praise God. Jesus, you are awesome. You're just, I love you, Lord. Some, you just bring up a song or a, something that you know, and you just start worshiping him, giving him honor, glory to your name. What can Satan do at that point? He hates that. 
He's going to let you go and leave. Uh, when you've just stepped in it, pick your worst that you step in, that you just feel ashamed, and you don't want to see God. Satan is just tickled to death until you go, I'm not going to let this separate me from God. I'm going to go humble myself. I'm sorry, Father. And you fall down on your face or your knees in your heart. Your heart's humble and contrite. Uh, and you say, I need forgiveness. Uh, I, I don't want to be separated from you. David said, some, you know, after he'd gone into Bathsheba, it's one of the Psalms, uh, and I don't know which one right now, he just goes and says, Father, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't cast me away. I know I'm done wrong. Some of those guys I know have done way wrong than I've ever done. Uh, because not only did he take Bathsheba into his house, knock her up, when Hezekiah proved to be too righteous and wouldn't disguise the situation, David managed to have him knocked off. Okay? Uh, and then let her have her time of mourning and then took her to be his wife. Uh, so that's murder, right? Murder, adultery, that's five and six. Uh, well, the covetedness, he, he, that was already done. That's why he took her in the first place. Um, Nathan said that he stole from this man, you know, his, his precious belonging. Um, okay, I'm, is, is it 20 after, 5 after 11? Okay, I've, I've, I'm going to quit. Um, I have, <laughs> I'm only on my page 10. I have 20 of them. Uh, and, and I've been, I think more as I go. Uh, uh, they just keep popping out. We're at war, people. You need to be in the word. Uh, we need to join together. We need to, where two or three are gathered in my name, pick a stronghold and attack it. Fear, the government, not the government, yeah, the government. Uh, not the people. Uh, governments are, are what get corrupt. Anyway, if you want to join, the, join a, a SEAL team for the Lord, uh, you can come up and pray with me or not. But uh, let's have the worship team come up and I just turn it over to them because I've run on. You know, hey, used to be a social studies teacher. You wind them up, turn them loose, they can go for all day. That's what they do. Seven periods, seven hours of talking. Um, if anyone would like to come up, well, no, you, you'd be at peace today. Uh, and think about it, and if you want to know, get into the Word of God, you can talk to me. My phone number's in the book. Uh, I'm here, regular. We can talk about ways of getting in, praying, doing it. Uh, God bless you all. I love you. That's my message. Read the word of God. Every day. All of it. Until you've read it all through at least once. And then find the places that are, that are for you. Because there are some places that are for you. That I just, I just wallow in them. Uh, and that's good. Okay. God bless.